What got you into uh, powerlifting initially? Like, I, I know there's there's a, a lot about you um, as far as you know. You had injured your back, and then you got into uh, some some rehabilitation and lifting, and you read a lot about, I guess, the Bulgarian and Russian methods of uh, of strength training. But what initially got you into uh, you know this whole fitness endeavor that you've been in for a very long time? Well, I never did fitness. I did strength training. I'm a special strength coach is what I am, not powerlifting. Powerlifting just happened to be what I was. Okay. And um nineteen sixty six I went to Olympic I was Olympic weightlifter and I went to my first power meet in um October nineteen sixty six because I was being drafted into the army one month later. And after lifting in that power meet I realized how much stronger they were and I never lifted lifted again. I went straight to powerlifting. And I was uh, basically taught by really muscle Muscle Power Builder magazine uh, with the old website barbell articles in it. Uh, that's where I learned the basis of what I do. And then um, as the time went on, I put my lower back in 1973. No one was going to had the top total in the world for a while, 1635 of 181. And um, no one was going to fix it. So I, just by pure luck, I came up with reverse hyperextension exercise, which I'm sure people have been doing it overseas somewhere forever. But I came up with it and relieved my back pain and uh, actually started to make me strong. And I regained uh, my back strength. And I was back to pulling 710 in 1978 at 195. And uh, as late as I pulled 715 at 57 years old at 217 and 675 at 217 at 63 years old. And uh, so basically, that's how I invented reverse hyper. I have six active reverse patents on that. And uh, one of them is on a new air reverse hyper for medical use. Um, so that's how I got into powerlifting, and um, and then I went into spatial strength. 1982, I broke my back the second time, and I realized the way I was training was totally incorrect, but I didn't know what correct was. I was using Western, Western periodization. So I started and um, getting into the Soviet method, started using wave periodization, three-week pendulum waves, same one Alexis used to break 80 world records. Um, and I started using scientific approach to weight training, and it changed everything. Okay. And that's where we are today. So 19, for 33 years, I practiced this system. Along the way, I've trained two Olympic gold medalists, a UFC heavyweight champion, a 70-10 shot putter, 10-17 uh, collegiate sprinter, a high school girl that just went from 780 to 724 to 60, and she's a 200-meter specialist, a 17-year-old girl jumps on a 15-and-a-half-inch box, and an intern jumps on a 63-and-a-half-inch box. So that's pretty much where I'm at today. Okay. And see, I made the mistake of of saying uh, of, of, of of saying powerlifting, but you know, at the heart of it all, you're like you said, you're basically a strength specialist, which you know you can basically use your information to train athletes of of many different uh, ranges and ages and genders in in sports and things like that. And that's what your gym, uh, Westside Barbell, uh, in Ohio, in Ohio, specializes in. Correct? You said it's invitation only, and basically, it's invitation. It's invitation only, yes, and um, the top five rugby teams over in Europe use my system. Many, many professional teams use parts of my system and college teams. So who? how does someone, you know, it's invitation only, how does someone um, get a hold of you to work out there? I mean, obviously I'm assuming you're, you're, the people that you're taking on and training are going to be people, you know, that are at – elite levels of, of athleticism, but I'm sure you, I'm sure you, I know that you've trained people that, you know, that start off, you know, uh, at least at a lower level and, and, and through your strength training, you know, they achieve great things. 
So I don't want to say that you're only getting, uh, you know, people that are already at a high level, but, but basically you're taking very elite level athletes. That's the kind of, of, of athletes that you train at your gym, correct? Well, well, he has a, an elite level training system. Yes, sir. I've actually developed 96 elite powerlifters, over 140 all-time world records. All right. So uh, that's basically what we do. I started Chuck Vogelpool, never went to a contest. Chuck probably broke eight to ten world record squads. Kenny Patterson is probably in at 14. The youngest open world record holder at 20 years old. Uh, Joe McCoy, I started him at 14. He was um, open world champion at 19 years old. Dave Hoff, I started him at 15 years old. He could squat 400 at 19, squat 1,005. Now he's done 1,210. He's the greatest pilot in the world, greatest full meat bencher. Greatest coefficient total. Um, Laura Phelps, greatest um, female lifter of all time, 1,800. Well, total 3,005 at 271. But Laura total 1,800 at 165. She's on a 775 squad, a 530 bench in that class, and I believe a 510 deadlift. So she's also the greatest squatter of all time, pound, pound for pound. Greatest bench presser uh, and also total. Yeah. So we pretty much dominate the sport, yeah. Wow, that is, those are those are insane numbers to think about, especially the uh, the the pound for pound numbers from the female you were mentioning. That is ridiculous. You said she she squatted seven hundred pounds, seven seventy five. Seven seventy five. Wow, yes. that is insane. So it's all so, the pendulum wave approach. It's all the Soviet methods that I use, and yeah. a combination of Russian uh, Max Everett and Bulgarian Max Everett. Yeah, and I think that I think anyone listening, you know that that is not familiar with you and your gym, you know, they can learn a lot about the fact that, you know, the basic uh, core of, of strength, you know, can apply to so many different levels of, of, of athletics and sports, you know, because what you're doing is as a strength specialist and your, and your gym is, is uh, training for strength. But I mean, uh, for so many different athletes that come in there, it's probably improving their overall performance in, in a, in a variety of sports. I know that you've been, uh, I guess I don't know what what the what the title would be, but you've 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 been uh, you've helped many professional uh, athletes and professional teams. You know, not just with uh, lifting, but but just team sports and things like that. Also, is that correct? Yes, the concepts. Mm-hmm. Yes, the concepts. Yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, people people don't people don't understand. People think weights are heavier, lighter, not they're faster, slow. Strings measured in velocities. Explosive strength and fast velocity and intermediate speed strength and intermediate velocity and strength speed slow velocity. And when you realize that strength is measured in velocities, uh, then you can start to get the true concept of how to become strong. And, and at your gym, you guys really work on, like you said, the uh, the, the speed strength and, and you, your speed when you're when you're doing your your repetitions with at various weights, right. of course. Very interesting, yes. and I, and you've and you've authored many books, and you have a lot of information out there, and and and, I'll, and in the blog post, I'll be linking uh, information to you, so I mean everyone can find you easily and find more information on stuff you've done. But Louis, if we can, we'll just move on to your. Uh, we're going to move on to your one fitness tip, and like I had said before, and and people that listen to the show know that I ask everyone just if they could only just give one really important tip. That's sort of a sort of a, an, a piece of advice that's on the fringe. It's a little bit niche, you know, that you wouldn't normally find, you know, anywhere. It's just a piece of advice that you'd probably only get from, from working one-on-one with someone who, who really knows what they're doing. But what, what is one, just one good piece of advice you could give? Well, if you want to reach the top, you have to have a wide base. A pyramid is only as tall as its base. So you have to have great GPP, general physical preparedness. 
Um, you know, like I, I worked with young kids as young as 10 years old, basically obstacle course stuff, uh, push-ups, set-ups. They can't climb a rope yet, but we make them pull a sled by a rope. Um, and uh, a lot of jumping exercises, flexibility, dexterity, mobility, eye hand and eye coordination, uh, and balance are developed at a very young age. If you get so old, like you can get a five-year-old girl to jump to a somersault on a four-inch balance beam, but you can't get a 25-year-old woman to do it. So once you become so old, there's actually tasks that you can't learn. Uh, Olympic weightlifting, they have to start at 10 to 11. If you start from 13 to 14, they'll never accomplish the same standards. Uh, it's already too late. They've already missed the boat on some of the technical aspects that the human body is capable of. Um, so basically a wide a wide base. Too many people raise their kid to be a football player, and that's all they play. Uh, they don't have a wide athletic base. They can only play football. Uh, then eventually they only run so fast. It's called speed bear because they, they use the same training over and over and over. Um, in that case, you have to stop that training to specialize work like uh, lifting weights, um, you know, pulling sleds and um, so forth, uh, and some depth jumps and some jumping, more jumping, and uh, that's how you overcome how fast you run. You actually run faster by quit running. Running football teams run their players way too much. Uh, I mean, they run them in the ground. If running made a football player, then they should recruit marathoners. Uh-huh. A football player, a football player is four to seven seconds. All you have to do is recover under forty. That's all you have to do. To run gazers is absolutely ridiculous to do. What they do when they do all this running, they absorb so much oxygen, not only in the lungs, but in the muscle fiber. So you're really training yourself to be endurance-oriented, not explosive strength-oriented. more oxygen you have in the muscle, um, uh, it has um, a tendency to be able to last longer through the collagen. You want explosive athletes. All they have to do is recover in 40 seconds. So and uh, uh, explosive strength comes to elasticity of ligaments and tendons. So there's a big difference. So when you do all this running, so exercise specificity. You know, a fighter, like an MMA fighter, we train Matt Brown, for instance, and he has to fight hard for five minutes to recover in one minute. That's all we ask him to do. We don't ask him to, you know, um, fight for 10 minutes because it's only a five-minute round. He is recovering one minute and do it over. Wow. Okay, so your tip is have a wide athletic base. And you actually, that's, yes. a, that's great. That's a great, great tip. But you actually kind of – you, you really kind of blew my mind there with with talking about the, the, the children. I actually have a five year old and, and a seven year old boy, and mm-hmm. you're saying basically, you know, at least by the age of ten or twelve, you, you were talking about lifting, but by the age of what ten or eleven or twelve, you know, they really, at least by that age, should really have 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 some sort of training in various types of, you know, you said speed work, um, uh, strength training, you know, a lot of those basic movements at least, and that will actually, they'll carry that throughout their life at least is what you're, is what you're saying. Exactly. It's proven. It's proven by science. You know, hand and eye coordination, especially stuff like that. Um, here we take young wrestlers, uh, 10 years old and they pull lots of sleds, upper body and lower body. There's no, there's no compression on the spine that way. So all it is, you build up their legs and arms and, and their cardiovascular system as well, and muscular endurance and explosive strength. And all it's an aid, it's no deterrent at all. And training a young child, being with resistance, has nothing to do with the height of the child. It will not uh, detour height growth, bone lengthening. That's a misconception. Really? Oh, wow. See, that is something yes. that I thought was, and I thought that that was actually true. And my main piece of evidence would be gymnasts. Uh, if you look at Olympic level gymnasts, you know, the men and women, they're, they're much more petite, but, and I had always thought that was, you know, basically a consequence of, uh, of a lifetime of, 
you know, the, the strength training that they have done, but you're saying that that's not true. It's not true. It's actually picking a model athlete. If you're going to be a gymnast, you have to be small in stature. You know, um, a basketball player, you don't see a five foot tall NBA player. Exactly. They're tall. Yep. So it's a model athlete. You pick the large kids are going to go in a sport that's more that they can adapt to and be proficient at. You know, you can't take a six foot six boy and make him into a gymnast. It's impossible. So you, you know, it's just basically being a model athlete, picking a sport that your body's type is suited for. Okay, so basically, yeah, by the way around. <laughs> yeah, but basically, for example, the the the, the gymnast by the time uh, by the time you have Olympic level gymnast. You know, there's a certain body type that performs the best at that, and and anyone else that is not of that body type, maybe someone that's tall and lanky, they would have been weeded out long before. They just wouldn't have been able to to get that good and 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 beat the other competition. You know, by the time you get to that level, that's just the body type. Just like in basketball, it's mostly tall people that 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 succeed. I'd never thought exactly. about it that way. I had never thought about it that way. I had always gone. I basically always thought that. Uh, any kind of really strenuous strength training at young ages, you know, could potentially, you know, slow down like a growth development, at least as far as like your size. But wow, that's really good to know. Any physical training actually uh, produces growth hormone. It actually makes you higher. Yep. Taller. Wow. But you know, people that lift weights, uh, they're the people that's not going to go in the NBA. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, in, in, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, I got plenty of guys. If they were six inches taller, they could have maybe played NFL football, but they weren't. They were six foot, not six six. And you don't see very few six six power lifters. Although we have one at six foot nine, he did was nine oh five, but that's an exception. Uh-huh. And he'll, you know, he'd never be a great squatter. But yep. He's a tremendous elegant. Mm-hmm. Wow, you know, I never thought about that, but yeah, that's that's really nice to know. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have my kids lifting weights soon then. I I had always yeah. just thought, hey, I'll just hold off until they're teenagers or something like that. But no, yeah, that's really good. To Get know. them to pull sleds. Anything you can do, like in a gym, curling, tech deck, tricep extension, pressing over it, you can do it for sled with a second, you know, a second strap attachment. Uh-huh. And then they just hook it to their belt and pull it. There's resistance, but no compression of the spine because of the weight's behind you. Wow. Okay. Really cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, sure. we're going to move on and Louis, if you could just, you know, just talk a little bit about any sort of failures or struggle that, struggles that you've had in your career, you know, um, just basically getting to the, to the place that you're at now. I know you have, you know, you're, you're you have a lot of success and you're pretty much, pretty much world renowned, but, um, you know, what, what kind of, uh, struggles have you had along the way? Well, 1973, I had a 1635 total. February 73, November 72 is the first world. It was one of 16. I had 1655. The world's one of 1635. So I actually had 20 more pounds of world champion. Um, and then I thought my back is indestructible. And I broke it about a month or two later. And I was off and on crutches for 10 months. And it actually took me until 1976 to rehabilitate myself with this reverse hyper exercise. In uh, 1979, I tore my right bicep totally off, locking out a deadlift that had, me, had locked in second place in the senior nationals. Behind Larry Pacifico, they said I was done. Six months later, I won the national championship, the third highest total ever made. And in that contest, um, I tore two holes in my stomach and I tended on my pelvic butt. It wasn't hardly any gear there at all. And then, um, so I recovered from that. Then I broke, I pulled a 722 real quick. It does uh, 212 body weight. And then I break my back the second time. And, and at that point, 
late 19, it's actually like 1983, I broke it. And I had it diagnosed right before 1982. And at that point, I said, there must be a better way to train. And as I, 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 I basically dug into the Soviet Union methods and um, all the East Germans, the Bulgarians, the Russians, everyone I get a hold of. They were 40 years ahead of us. They still are. I trained 40 years ahead of everyone, I feel. And uh, it changed everything in my life. For where I made the, when I was 50 years old, I made the, I was the fourth best total in the world in the 242s, which I should have never been in. I'm a little guy. Third best squat. And at, and at um, 50, 54, I was the sixth best pitcher in, in the world. And so it just all become, I, I got smarter. I started using science. You know, everybody gets a degree in exercise science. There's no connection between exercise and science. I, I talked to an exercise um, science class, all grad all, um, grad students, and um, for an hour and a half, they couldn't answer one question. And, I, and I mean, I see this all the time when coaches come here. There's no strength training for uh, exercise, you know, uh, exercise science degree. Really? There's endurance, but no strength. Uh, everyone knows endurance is developed quickly, but strength is um, takes a long time to develop. You know, you could take your your ten year old kid and could run a mile right off, but your ten year old kid can't squat four hundred. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's see, that's basically how it goes. So you have to um, you know look at things legitimately and find out there is a really a be- is there a better way to train. The problem in America there seems to be a a big division between coaches and science. I, I prefer science. Not an opinion. I want scientific proof, not some, not some coach's opinion. You know, for instance, to run down a track, to run on track, 90% of the effort is just to overcome gravity vertically, not horizontally. That that occurs to human locomotion, allowing gravity to, while you fall forward, actually have gravity to assist you instead of resist you. Uh-huh. That's basically human locomotion. Dr. Dr. Uh, um, Jeez, uh, uh, can't think of his name. Uh, Pose method. Um, he talks about this. The Pose method of running. He goes through this uh, in great depth. Romanov, and he's exactly right. On one of his DVDs, he sprints on ice, just to prove a point. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah. So you know, there's a lot of things people take for granted, but um, I realized what I had. I had to use. I mean, when people ask me what book to buy first, I say a basic physics book. I understand Newton's laws of motion. And understand how to develop kinetic energy. These are two of the primary things you have to have. And, um, you know, so that's, that's what we concentrate on. Okay. Very interesting. Um, you know, and I, I present everyone with, with a certain tough scenario. And for you, basically, for your tough scenario, I figured you've already dealt with it. So we would just discuss your, your back injury a little bit. And that's, that's a little bit of what you just spoke about. But I just want to ask you a few more questions about you know, how you overcame the back injury. You said that you injured your back in uh, 73, and then it took you yes. in 76, you recovered. So I, I guess you know, somewhere close to around three years of recovery. Um, what did well, you do? Or I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it took me that. It took me until somewhere in the nineteen seventy four to actually come up with this reverse hyper exercise. Oh, okay. I couldn't do a back raise. You know, I would anchor my feet to do a back raise, and by putting pressure on my ankles to raise my body, I had excruciating pain. But I thought one day, what if I did it in reverse? And this is the safest way to train your back. Anyhow, I held my back stationary while my legs were hanging downward off the ground and raised it to the rear. Pumped up my back, pumped up my glutes, pumped up my hamstrings, and with no pain. You see, um, that's basically that's the correct way to um, train a back. Open chain. 
open chain meaning when you stand on the ground, it's not an open chain. But when you're, on, you're laying on something, if your arm's hanging down and your leg's not touching ground, it's open chain. And when you do that, if you get on your hands and knees, you'll release the pressure that so has the quad of the boards. That's absolutely how reverse hyper works. Okay, so it's almost, I mean, a little bit of decompression, but like you said, it's that it's unchained. You know, it, it really loosens yes, everything. It, and it is decompression. It's decompression, it's range of motion, and it's uh, traction and strengthening, all wrapped up in one. So the more reverse hypers we do for strength, the better restoration we have. We do, for a person here that squats 1,000, yes, 12,000 pounds of squats on speed day, his reverse hyper tonnage twice a week is 60,000 pounds. Oh, wow. Okay? It's four and five times what the squat volume is. At least 48,000. has to at least be 48, four times. And basically, because of the decompression, that's why doing your reverse hyper machine is it's different than doing like the back raises on. Is it called a uh, Roman chair? Is that the is that the kind of chair that people... Well, you could call it a Roman chair. Yeah. Yep. 45 degree hyper Roman chair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's essentially a different thing than, 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 than your reverse hyper. I mean, like you're, you're still exactly. compressing your spine. Yeah, yeah, it's the reverse. It exactly. compresses your spine. So, yeah, because I had actually, I was thinking about that recently. I was thinking about, you know, I have some, some lower back injuries and some herniated discs and things like that, that it always pops up as a problem. But, you know, I, I, I don't, at the current gym where I go to, they don't have a reverse hyper. And I was just trying to get creative and think of, well, how can I do something similar? But I guess in essence, you, that's basically, you have to do that movement on the reverse hyper. I mean, that's like, like you're saying, that's how it works. That's with your back stabilized and your legs kind of hanging over without touching the ground. That's, that's the basic meat and meat and potatoes of that, of that exercise of how that, you know, how right. it works. And, uh, to make a difference between a, a, um, a reverse hip extension, see so your feet go way underneath your face. You have great range of motion. Your legs will go under, up underneath your face. That's uh-huh. where it rotates the sacrum, and it allows te- uh, fluid to the soft tissue of the lower back and the vertebrae. Johnny Machino will do it. It's, it's proven. Okay. <laughs> we got 50 pages on our, on our website to explain. It's even had a DMX ray, um, x-ray, you know, a digital motion x-ray, with people using it who couldn't do anything, but they could do that. And those people have pins in their back. Really? You know, the, the, the funny thing is, probably the first time I'd ever heard of the reverse hyper was uh, Joe Rogan. You know, the, uh, the, he does, he's, he's a comedian. He does the commentary right. for the UFC fights. He was speaking about the reverse hyper on his podcast about a year ago, and he said that was really the only thing that, that helped his back out. And uh, I, th- right. I, believe, I believe he may even have one of his own. You probably know more about that than I do. But he yeah, I actually, I, I had heard it from him. It was the very first place I'd ever even heard of the machine. And I was immediately researching wow. online. I was like, oh, I got to find out about this. Yeah. We do it four times a week, twice real heavy and, and twice light. Wow. And, and that's, that's what everyone says works. You know, that's, that's if you had got these lower back problems, is it just lower back or is it any part of your back that it will help re- rehabilitate? It actually is thoracic as well. Stretch out the thoracic because your arms are you know, hanging in the front of you and it stretches you out when you go underneath. Okay. So thoracic, lumbar, sacrum, you know, hip area, all that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and also one more thing about your back injury before you know I was talking about the it took several years of recovery I guess for one year you weren't even you did, hadn't even invented their reverse hyper but as you were recovering were you slowly building up strength and just training you know building back up the strength that you had before or was it kind of like it or was it that it took a really really long time before you could be active again I couldn't do anything until I started in reverse hyper couldn't do anything I couldn't do a side bend couldn't do a good morning couldn't do a squat couldn't do a deadlift nothing. Until I come up that exercise and rehabilitated myself, then I was able to resume training again. 
Yeah, I mean, it made it possible for me to total eat in five weight classes. Only 300 people have ever done that. That's crazy. So you were breaking world records, and then you break your back and you're injured, and it was a few years before you even, you know, got back up to to, to that level again. But I mean, you never gave up. Seventy-seven. And, yeah, you, you never gave yeah, up. It actually I guess. took me four years to get back to a high level. Four years. That's crazy. I think a lot of people would have just given up and just said, you know, even if, even if they could rehabilitate their back, they'd just be like, it's you know, it's I've been out of the game for too long. Yeah. But of course, I don't give up. <laughs> yeah, you don't give up. Are are you still lifting? Uh, I'm sure you still lift heavy. But, training uh, my my neck, my neck and my knees pretty shot after all these years. I mean, I had triple body weight. I was doing triple body weight squats in 1970, and I was doing them in uh, two in 2011, and it just basically took us toll that many years. Yeah, I mean, you, you still have. I don't. I'm not sure. You'd have to educate me. I'm not sure if they're records or not. But you have uh, just ridiculous lifting numbers. You know, well into your 50s, and I would assume maybe even your 60s as well. But the numbers are just, right. I mean, mind-boggling. Yeah, if people I, knew. I never held a world record. I don't. I don't. I don't believe in master lifting. But I was 17. I was as little as seven off the world record squat years ago, and uh, 20 pounds off another squat and stuff like that. But at 63, I squ- at 217, I squatted 730, 505 bench, and a 675 deadlift for me. Gosh, that's so crazy. Then my neck just got bad. It was because of me to pass out. And uh, so, that, you know, I pretty much, I kept trying, but I mean, it's just pretty much can't do it. Yeah, and, and people that, that, like I said, the people that have not heard of you should know that, you know, I mean, you, you're, you're a big guy and everything. You're a muscular guy, but you're not like a giant. Like people would think, oh, a 505 no. bench and 700 squat, you know, you got to be a giant. And like that, I think that's, that, that attests to, to, to your, your training methods, how well they work. You're not, you know, some huge giant, you know? I was a 181 with two hour weighing for seven and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, um, I use science to do what I did. No one 50 years old had ever benched 550 and I ended up benching 600 because of my training methods, because I had others do it. And I use my own training methods to do that. It's science. You, you got to be smarter than the weights. And a lot of people don't consider that. And um, I just use better and better training methods. Because I have a new, uh, I have a patent on a static dynamic developer that's going to revolutionize strength training in America. You pull in a bar, it's unmovable, static. And then you, then I release it with air pressure. And then you pull 30% for explosive strength or 75 to 85 for speed strength. Or if you want to use real heavy weights, Super heavy weights. When I release it, then you'll you'll go ahead and complete the lift. Um, it's going to revolutionize strength training. Really? Okay, I've never heard of anything yes. like that. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds Dr. really Bonacek innovative. Used the system. Bonacek and Bert Prashansky used the system that was either pulling a bar wouldn't move, then run over the thirty percent barbell, or pull, or do one or two reps with like ninety percent or above, and then run over to a light barbell and do it. This is far superior. Yeah, look, you can pull on this, and all I have to do. Is release the button and you boom, you drive up. You know, you know what you put up for 100% muscle tension. Then I release it so you just drive the 30% like you've never drove it before. Uh huh. Yeah, okay, I can I can see what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really cool. That's how we got such great bot jumps. Uh huh. That explosive strength like that. For your readers, uh, one of our one in the gym, the Westside Certified Gym, uh, guys down, gets on his knees with 310 on his back and then jumps onto his feet. That is explosive power. Wow. A lot of people can't do it with no weight, let alone with 310 pounds on their back. You know, and that's exactly the kind of explosive strength you need, you know, not only for lifting, but, you know, for a lot of sports like uh, football, is like you were saying before. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, pretty, you know, first I, step in everything. Yeah. 
Um, Louis, you know, another question I ask everyone is to give a motivational quote that, that they kind of like. Is there anything that, that you could share? <laughs> a motivational quote? Actually, I like what you just said a second ago. You said you got to be smarter than the weights. Uh, I wrote that down as you were saying it. I love that. One of my favorite movies is the Shogun Assassin. And um, the Shogun thought his assassin wanted to kill him, so he sent ninjas in to kill the, the assassin's wife. And he wasn't there, but they managed to kill her, basically. And and uh, so the Shogun came in and dragged up his young child. He was uh, in six months old or so in diapers. And he put a ball on the floor. And he put a uh, his short sword into the into the floor, and he told his son Dagger. He says, Dagger, you cannot understand my words, but if you choose the ball, you'll join your mother in death. And if you choose the sword, you'll join me, your father, on the road of vengeance. And he chose the sword, and his father took him out and killed a lot of people. But here it was: I choose the ball or choose the sword. It's all out or get out. Okay. One way or the other. I don't. I can't have anyone. You know, if you've got a half-hearted person there, a terrible training partner, if they in this gym, they have to they have to come here for one reason, to be the all-time best. I have no need for them. So you want your guys to train at high intensity, you know, no matter what the weight, no matter what the rep range, you know, but basically to be fully committed and, you know, just just give it your all for you know every everything every second that you're in the gym, you know, really be serious and, and giving it all of your effort. That's why it's a private gym. And that's how, I guess that's how you create champions. Very top. That's right. That's why, you know, we're lucky to have 20 people one time. Inter- very interesting. You know, I watched the uh, UFC event this past weekend. And if you want, this can be off the record. It doesn't matter. But I watched the UFC yeah. event this past weekend with Matt. And, of course, he, he had a really, it was a really tough fight against Johnny Hendricks. You know, right. um, I think Johnny came in with a with a really good game plan. But, um, yep. you know, it, but you know, it was still, it was, st- it was still a good fight. But, um you were, you know, I know that you you help train uh, Matt. Does he mainly just do his strength training at your gym? I mean, obviously he's he 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 has MMA uh, uh, coaching and training that he's you know got to do his sparring and, and and game planning and all this other stuff in wrestling, jujitsu. But I mean, but I guess he comes to you for the strength training, right? And and I'm sure you've developed a specific you know program for for the sport of MMA. But um, is is that correct? Yes, as a striking coach, uh, Dorian Price just walked right by me. <laughs> And his wrestling coach, the Sabados here. And um, so they, they spent a lot of time, but, you know, the coaching is coordinated. You know, we, we, had, a, we had a plan. It just didn't work out. Uh-huh. Matt uh, Brown is not trained like any powerlifter because he's not a powerlifter. He's an MMA fighter. Uh, MMA, I, in my opinion, too many people make a mistake training their guys. If, they fight, if you fight a 170-pound man, you got to use 170-pound weights. Uh-huh. You can't use five-pound weights because when you get in the ring, you got some strong wrestler trying to throw you around. So you have to work against uh, equal and opposite resistance for five minutes, and that's exactly what we do. I want to tell you one thing that Matt has done. I'm not going to – because Tom Barry actually does most of his training here. Tom is my assistant uh-huh. uh, in my office, in my business. And uh, Tom's uh, fought, and he pretty much takes care of that. I'll tell you one thing Matt's done for any of your readers who want to try it. He pushed a wheelbarrow with 325 pounds on it um, a quarter of a mile in two minutes and 14 seconds. Whoa. So we'll give you guys something to work for. Three hundred pounds. Good lord! So that's basically a lap around a track in two minutes that's right. and exactly. forty seconds. That's right. It's four hundred meters. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone, go try that and see see how well they can yeah, do. Give that a shot. <laughs> yeah, but I, I had to bring up Matt Brown. I'm, I'm a I'm a diehard MMA fan. I'm a big fan of Matt. You know, of course, yeah. his fights Good. are so entertaining anyway. So uh, yeah, I just had to bring that up. I thought it was just so cool to speak to someone that helps train him. I trained Kevin Randleman years ago when Kevin was UFC heavyweight champion. Okay, so is you had Kevin Randleman, uh, Matt Brown, and you've had some other. Fight, Eddie Wyland. Eddie Wyland. Uh, Eddie Wyland's coach is right here at my place right now from Indiana. Really? He's he's here uh, visiting us. And um trained Eddie Wyland. He's got a tremendous training camp out there the way they do things. Very good. You know, we trade ideas back and forth. He came here, I did a couple of seminars for him and he very he did very, very um uh, Jason Gusick. He did a very, very he's got great comprehension of how to train. He does a great job with Eddie Wyland. Well, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, and Kevin Randleman, he he went to he wrestled at Ohio State. Is that right? Correct. Okay. And Mark so, Coleman, they're good buddies. So Mark he's should, you know know Mark quite well. Uh huh. So so basically, they're you know in their home state. You know when they're working when when whenever Kevin was working with you guys, and it's kind of a that's a, I guess that's a really cool thing for him to have all that you know close to where he was you know either either living or whatever. But uh, right, ten minutes away. <laughs> yeah, and if and if anyone doesn't know who Kevin Randleman is, he was completely jacked. You know, really, really strong, explosive fighter. You know, I guess he fought at heavyweight, but nowadays he'd probably be a light right. heavyweight. Yeah, he would be maybe one eighty-five. Yeah, nowadays. you're probably right. He's not. He's probably six foot five eleven, something like that. If I had to say, yeah, I'm he's not, sure. not six foot. No, he's not six foot. And you remember uh, one of his highlights was talking to Kukov out with the left hook and pride. Yep, yep, I've seen that. Yeah, very. You know, anyone could get on, uh, get online, look on YouTube, or, or even if you have a fight, fight path subscription, you can see a lot of Kevin Randleman fights. He was a really, really, really good wrestler. And yeah, uh, a couple time All American. Same thing with the Sabato, uh, Matt's uh, boxing or wrestling coach, Adam DeSabato. Yeah, it sounds like you got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of good guys just, just from MMA alone that you know strolled through there. Yeah, right. It's interesting. I got a good Rob Pilcher, um, old school boxing. You remember that? Uh huh. He's a good friend of mine. He's a crazy guy, but he's a real good friend of mine. Really knows his boxing. Yeah, I mean, I guess if a lot of people are on the East Coast, or you know, or not that Ohio is really that close to the coast, but anywhere in that you know part of the country, I guess your gym would be a great place to go. I mean, you know, uh, well, we're in Central Ohio. Yeah, so Midwest. I mean, it's not really anywhere. I, I'm in I'm in Tennessee, so yeah, I'm, I'm nowhere near the coast. But people still say East Coast. So <laughs> I, if they only knew how far away we were from the coast, mm-hmm. but uh. But yeah, you know, um, every, I know a lot of times, just about every time you, 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 that you see Matt Brown on any sort of UFC promotion, he's wearing a Westside Barbell T-shirt. You know, right. so I know that you know. Obviously, they 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 really wear it uh, with pride. But um, I don't want to keep too much of your time, Louie. We've been on the we've been on the phone for a little while now. If there's anything else you want to talk about or share, you know, you, you can or you can share. Uh, let people know how they can get in touch with you and how they can find you online and your website and all that stuff. What it can find is at Westside-Barbell.com. But one thing I, I want to emphasize to all the people soliciting this, coaches, athletes, high school kids, anyone, read a book. The problem with America, they don't read, coaches do not read books. You have, I have probably 200 books, and some of them in foreign languages, but they were mailed to me by fans of mine overseas just because of the illustrations or the pictures. And you have to read a book. You have to learn something. You have to advance your training constantly. And I can say probably that I do that. Every day I read, I read more books at home where I write. I have five or six books out. I'm writing a sprinting book. I have one coming out next on all sports, uh, the fundamentals of special strength for all sports. 
I'm writing, I have a wait list people, Don's just being edited, for American lifters, because they're weak, they have to get strong, but they got a major problem, They when they clean weights, they can't recover from the clean, they have no leg strength, and then I'm writing one on sprinting, because I've, had, I've worked with a lot of sprinters, I love sprinting, and uh, so, but how do I, how do I think I know what I know? I read a lot of books, and then I put it in practice, that's how. And, okay. and if anyone so goes to, a book. Yeah, and, <laughs> and if anyone goes to Westside Barbell, I know you've got a lot of articles that you've published that are that are on the website. I assume that you could probably find some of your books. And uh, oh, I, yeah. I think you even have online webinars. I mean, I think you have a lot of information. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a ridiculous Thank amount of, of, of education uh, just if you go to uh, Louis' site, westsidebarbell.com. And like I said, we'll have links to all that stuff so people can find it easily. But uh, it's been great talking to you. I'm sure you're a busy man. I was I was really fortunate to get a yep. hold of you, uh, Mr. Louis Simmons. You're like I said, you're yep. pretty much pretty much world known for for your strength training. Yep. Okay. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Yes, sir. Goodbye.